Today we chat with Fahad Kawaja, the founder of Hue, an organization working to amplify voices of color in marketing by advocating change and providing a platform to come together and create a more powerful voice. We talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are different from you and taking time to understand where they are coming from in order to build your perspective and create more meaningful work. We also hear about his career journey, gaining invaluable experience at ad agencies, building his network in his MBA program, and moving to the client side before launching Hue. Please enjoy our conversation with Fahad. Welcome to the Ad Undergrad Podcast. I'm Katie Moy, along with my co-host, Julian Lewis. Wait, stop the music. Katie, do you mind calling me Professor Lewis? But Julian, you're an adjunct professor. All right, fair enough. As practitioners of marketing and advertising, Katie and I wanted to give back to you, undergrads, recent grads, and those early in your careers looking to switch industries. In each episode, we'll highlight the career paths of practitioners and provide you with actionable knowledge to apply early in your journeys. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Ad Undergrad podcast. Today we have Fahad Kawaja. Thank you for joining us, sir. And we look forward to having this conversation with you. So I have to get a shout out to Adweek and the Adweek Mentorship Program because that's how we got connected. But really what we want to do is dive into your career, You know, take a huge step back to when you're at Syracuse and really get an understanding of how your studies there translated to what you've done throughout your career so far. Sure. Yeah. Do you want me to just start at the beginning? Yeah, let's do that. So I think versus folks that I've talked to generally who are in the marketing or advertising industry, I feel like I was a little different early on because maybe I was a bit nerdier. I actually knew in high school that I wanted to go into advertising. And the way it actually started was early on, it was actually someone's father came in for a career day and he worked at an ad agency. He worked at actually one of the big ad agencies and he talked about what he did for a living and he talked about the creative sides and he talked about the business and analytical sides. And it was just this marrying of the two that I thought was really interesting. And so I made up in my mind, I'm going to try that. And so when I ended up going to college at Syracuse University in Syracuse, New York, I actually went in with the thinking that I'm going into an advertising program. It's professionally oriented. I'm going to come out and go straight into an ad agency. And so that's what I did. In school, I developed a whole creative portfolio, art direction, copywriting, but I also studied media planning and buying and all these other areas around like brands and insights and consumer behavior. So that was really how it started. That's phenomenal. And in fact, I don't actually think I've mentioned this to you before, but the book that the digital book that I use for my students was written by Beth Egan, who teaches at Syracuse. So we're definitely getting some great content to help my students. That's phenomenal that you knew in high school that this is what you wanted to do. And I guess through your studies and then going to land your first job, was it still that linear? And then tell me a little bit about your first couple agency jobs and how that potentially changed your perspective of the industry. One thing I'll say is during college, I did actually veer off a little bit before going into other areas. So I actually considered journalism, magazine, editorial, and I ended up actually adding a marketing major for more of that business side. So when I graduated, I actually went straight into an ad agency and spent my first several years of my career actually working at a couple of different ad agencies. 
But ultimately, I ended up really wanting to get a broader exposure. So I was working in advertising, working with a lot of publishers, TV networks, magazines, digital properties at the time. But I was really interested in consumer behavior. And I was really interested in understanding what was driving people and trying to build the product. And so I decided to go to grad school to get my MBA so that I could eventually go to the marketer side, the client side that people often talk about, because that's where you get to design the product. That's where you get to actually say, there's a problem that I'm trying to solve for a customer or a consumer. And I want to make sure that I can solve that problem and not only solve it, but then actually tell the story in the right way, market it in the right way. Okay. And so I definitely want to highlight that because you said you went back to school. And I think often I've gotten the question from my students, and I know students are curious, should they go get an MBA? At what point they should get an MBA? And it sounds like you used it as a pivot point to move more into the marketing side of things. So I'd love to hear more, a little bit more about that. And then like, just get your recommendation on how necessary that was. Great question. I ended up doing it because at the time, and this was, you know, a while ago, the world's changed a bit. At the time, it really was a prerequisite. Most people at brand-driven companies weren't really going to have a conversation with you unless you had an MBA. And that was just the world. The good news is actually that the world's changed and that there's tons of companies out there, direct-to-consumer companies, tech companies, even more legacy, well-known, older brand companies they're not holding on to the MBA thing as strongly as they were because it's a big investment. You're spending time, right? Years getting your MBA. You're spending, in a lot of cases, over $100,000 that you're never going to get back. And a lot of people don't have access to that. They can't do it or they end up in debt. So for me, it was really valuable because I got to meet all sorts of really amazing people, right? You build this network that's really valuable and you meet people who are like-minded and have similar types of values. So for me, because of that, it was really helpful. And the fact that in order to go into a brand-driven organization, I had to have that MBA. Today, though, I just don't think that's true. I don't know that most students would need to do that, would need to go back to grad school unless their background was just something really different. I would say where it does make sense is for people who maybe don't have a business background or don't have a marketing background or don't have a particular kind of background and they want to go in and really get more of the foundational sort of understanding, right? The kind of book way of learning things. I'd say then it's valuable. But for the most part, if you're just trying to go to marketer side or client side or brand side, I wouldn't say that you necessarily need it right now. Don't tell my grad school that I said that though. <laughs> it's all it's it's all good. I think there's a, actually a very loud person at NYU Stern who actually is trying to get people to not necessarily invest as much as they are in media and a Scott Galloway. I was like, yeah, Scott, former professor of mine. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's talking about the death of the university and how tech companies are going to be running things. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Love it. How valuable would you say your agency experience was when you transitioned into the client side? My agency experience was invaluable. It was a game changer because coming into client side, I just had a much better understanding of what marketing is. Even though I was only on the advertising side and I was someone who had had a background in creative development, but also media planning, buying partnerships, it had already given me this exposure to things that a lot of people coming in from MBA programs didn't have. And so I think it was valuable in that sense, but it was also valuable in terms of the skills. 
So collaboration, working across teams, thinking creatively, moving quickly and solving problems, all those things were part of my day-to-day agency life. There were countless problems to solve every single day. So going into a brand and marketing corporate environment, I think for me was much easier because I had the agency background. We definitely hear you loud and clear on that invaluable nature of an agency, especially because of the exposure you get to so many different platforms to start your learning and kicking things off. So I love that you're on the same page there. Where I do want to pivot a little bit is to talk about what you're doing today and what your focus is in the industry with the development of Hue. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Hue is and what your mission is and why you decided to leave a corporate job to start your own thing? Sure. So Hue is very new. It's only been around for a couple of months, but I founded Hue because, frankly, I knew that there were a lot of people like me and other people of color who had just had challenges in getting access to opportunities and finding others who had common threads with themselves to be able to actually get ahead. And Hue is essentially a platform advocating change to help amplify the voices of people of color who work in marketing, advertising, creative, and design. The idea is that each of us, at the end of the day, really just wants to feel like our voice is heard. And a lot of times in environments where you're the minority or you're one of a few or you're the only one who looks like you or has a background like you, your voice doesn't get heard. And so with Hugh, the idea was that we want to make sure your voice gets heard and we want to help each other actually amplify our voices. So the thinking is that by all of us coming together, we can actually have a much louder, much more powerful voice and just tangibly help each other get ahead. That's the whole idea. Yeah, that's phenomenal work. And as a black adjunct professor, when I step into a classroom at the University of San Francisco and there are some students of color and they see me, they're like, oh, right. So they get that initial look into, okay, there are people who look like me or look not too dissimilar from me that are doing it, but that's not the experience for most students, I'd imagine. And so I think having a platform like yours is extremely important for them to just be aware of. I know that they can't necessarily enter into it until they've had a couple of years of experience, but I think it's important for them to know that there are a group of people that are advocating for change, advocating to uplift one another. So I want to say thank you that you're doing it. I think I've thanked you before, but I want to thank you again on this podcast because I think it is something that I wish that I would have had coming through the industry so I can see, yeah, there's someone who looks like me who's doing this. I'm pointing and nobody can see me pointing on the podcast. But I'm telling the audience, I'm pointing. There's somebody who looks like me. And so if they can do it, I can do it. So I just want to thank you for that. Absolutely. No, and, and thank you, honestly, and for the feedback. And it's been great just hearing from people like you and others who saw the need for it and feel like they've now got this kind of extended family. And I talk a lot about how it's just this one big family, right? And it makes a difference. You want to see people who look like you, who can relate to your stories, who face some of the same challenges. And that's not just if you're a student. It's not just if you're two years out. It's not just if you're 10 years out of school. You'll always want people who you can share your experiences with. And a lot of times it's just not an option when you're one of the only people of color in the room. And so I guess with that kind of family element and like almost building a community, what are some of the things that when you were at Syracuse, you could have potentially have done to start that process 
and I'm sure you did along the way in your career, but then now it's a focus. But what do you think you could have done back then as a student to get that going? The whole family element? Is that what you mean? Yeah, building a family or a community of uplifting others that are kind of look like you. Community is the key word, honestly. And at Syracuse, Syracuse was a school that is very majority white. And there are people of color there, certainly, but it's definitely not known for being the most diverse place. And I connected with people in the Muslim community. I connected with people who had more of an international background or had a curiosity about other types of people. So when I thought about community, and I don't think that I thought about it as much then as I definitely do now, but I naturally gravitated towards people who could have some of those experiences where they had come from a different place. They were immigrants, like maybe I was. They were Muslims. They were minorities. They were brown. They were black. I just automatically gravitated to those people. There was this sort of unspoken connection. And I think in terms of what else I could have done, I think what would have been helpful would have been if there were groups that just more naturally came together. You know what I mean? If there were more support systems in place, like even through the career center or through the classes or courses that I was having, I actually, when I was in college, that was a four-year period during which September 11th, 2001 happened. That, and it was a very tough time to be a Muslim man in your late teens, early 20s in the United States. And having to go through that and having some folks that I could talk to and relate to was really helpful. But a lot of it was just really challenging. Yeah. And I think that the idea of seeking out people who are coming from different places and have different experiences and the value of seeking them out early on to build that community, you're just going to be that much better when you're trying to work on like projects together and come up with ideas. You're not just touching somebody who like looks like you. And so I absolutely love that. And I remember going through 9-11, I was a senior in, in high school and I wasn't grew up in a predominantly white area as well. And it was just like, it was so weird because even though my community wasn't pointed to directly, you felt alone a bit because people were banding up against a group of people or making assumptions about X, Y, and Z. And you're just like, wait a minute no, like that's not okay. And so I think being with people who are different from you and starting to understand where they're coming from and all these things, like you just have a better perspective of how you can approach things throughout your life, let alone your career. Definitely. And I think a lot of it is about curiosity. You don't need to be someone who's traveled all over the world. You don't need to be someone who has done all these really exciting different things, but you need to have a curiosity about people who are different than yourself because you're going to learn something. And for me, that's what it was about. But yeah, when I think back to college and the fact that, for example, I've spent nearly 20 years being randomly checked at airports, it's something that a lot of people relate to, but others can. And I think from a student perspective, seeking out those people who are different than you to build your community is really important because you're going to learn something new. You're going to get different perspectives. It's going to be just helpful for you as a person, but also as a professional. This initiative is just so important to even from the marketing side. So the more representation there are within marketing teams, the more we're able to speak to consumers of all different colors and backgrounds. Were you able to make any kind of impact at a big brand and not to just call them out specifically? I know within big brands, it's hard to make change. What kind of work were you able to start there? 
There actually have been a few opportunities. When I started on Johnson's Baby, I was based in the Middle East in our Dubai office. And it was a really good sized business, but it was stagnant, wasn't really growing. And so my job as the brand lead was to try and help grow the business, help increase the impact that was being made across the board in 20 plus countries that we were selling in. And a lot of it actually was about the story we were telling and how we were actually making sure that we were targeting the right people. So the team that I was working with at the time, we actively looked for people who were representative across the region. So that region has nearly a billion people. It's super diverse. The Middle East, North Africa, Pakistan has a lot of people who are speaking at least five, six different languages. It's way more than that, actually, when you look at the total region. They're growing up in different places. Their income levels are very different. And so we actually built strategies where the products we were designing were at different price points so that different people could afford them. We set it up where even the images we were using in our advertising were different. It wasn't just one type of person. We had people with dark skin, with light skin. We had people from Indian backgrounds, from Arab backgrounds. We really mixed it up. And that was something that wasn't happening before I was there. So I'm really proud to have been able to be part of that. And there have been other instances since then in other brands that I've worked on. But that was really the first time that I think I got to put my stamp on that in a way that made a difference. I'm tying that back to what you were talking about in terms of getting different perspectives by like tapping into people from different places. And you don't necessarily have to be a world traveler to be able to do that. But if you come in with that perspective and you go and you work at a brand, there's going to be opportunities depending on the size of your brand. Obviously, Johnson & Johnson is larger than a lot of companies, right? But depending on, on where you work, there could be an opportunity for you to travel internationally. And like already having that open mind, you're not going to be you're not going to have your blinders on in terms of, okay, everybody here looks exactly like this and they speak exactly this language. Like you're going to be open already to the idea of, okay, like we should figure out, okay, what is this region like versus this region? So I absolutely love that you've been able to have that experience and how you're continuing to tap into that kind of throughout your journey. Yeah. And it's, it's been really helpful to me. And honestly, one of the things you asked earlier was about working in that big brand versus doing my own thing. So I've worked at big brands. I've also worked at startups. And now doing my own thing has been very different. But I think the fact that I have worked with lots of different types of people, the fact that I've worked in lots of different types of businesses, hugely helped. Getting diverse experience, even in the types of brands I worked on or the categories I worked on, really helped me because you're forced during that process to think in a lot of different ways. You're forced to be intellectually agile. And these days, that's just so critical. You need to be intellectually agile. You need to be able to tackle a lot of different angles in order to get things done. So for me, coming in and then doing this on my own at the beginning, and then obviously getting help throughout, which has been hugely helpful, was critical to be able to make traction. To get a little bit more like tactical in terms of building that intellectually agile muscle, what can students do other than like tapping into other students who have different skill sets? What can students do to start to build that muscle that they can then use throughout their career? I'd say the number one thing is to force themselves to be uncomfortable. What I mean by that is challenge yourself. Don't just do things the way you think is going to be the easiest, quickest way to get it done. At times, that actually might be the right path. But 
whenever you can challenge yourself, force yourself to maybe make decisions that are a little different, that are going to be a little riskier or feel like they're outside of your comfort zone, because that's where you're going to learn the most. That's where you're going to grow the most. Discomfort drives growth. And I've been fortunate over the years that I've been able to do that sometimes uh, deliberately, other times not deliberately, where I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) Maybe now is one of those times. The discomfort is what drives growth. So I would say the number one thing is to really just try and challenge yourself and go outside of that. You also mentioned earlier that you did your due diligence of learning both the creative side and the more analytical side. Which one was your more natural or comfortable area? And then how did you start to learn and stretch into that other side? I tend to fall somewhere in the middle, which is probably not your favorite answer, but I fall very much in the middle with a slight more creative lean. So the storytelling, the design, the visuals, all of that definitely is a bit more natural to me, but overall I tend to fall somewhere around the middle. So if you fall in the middle, we're going to make you answer, how does somebody get a little bit more of each since you have a perspective on both? (laughs) Yeah. One way is to just read a lot, be in touch with what's going on in the industry, read Adweek, plug for Adweek, but just read the trades. There's tons of stuff going on at any time. You can be on email newsletters where it's coming straight to your inbox and just stay connected to what's going on because right away, if you are more analytical, you'll start seeing the stories where they're talking about data driving decisions or certain data that led to some sort of new insight. And that insight led to a new campaign or a new product being developed. Or if you tend to be more on the analytical side and you want to see the creative, there's tons of resources around the creative. So I would say the number one thing to do is just be plugged in, read, see what's going on in the industry. But the second thing is connect with the right people. Connect with people who can mentor you, who can teach you about the areas that you're not familiar with. And they don't necessarily need to be older. They don't necessarily need to be people who have tons of years of experience. You can learn a lot just from people who are your peers, right? People who are doing internships that are in different areas than you. So those are the couple of things I would say. Yeah. And, and that's, it's so funny that you say that because I've tried to get Katie to work with me at every single job that I've ever had. And it's because she's like a rock star on the analytical side. And I know that's where I have a little bit of a drawback. And so if I can have them hire a rock star in that regard. It's just going to make me look good. But it's also going to elevate my game when I'm working across the table from her, kind of learning from her. And so she is hopefully going to be my lifetime friend, but also like my lifetime coworker. And we're going to continue to elevate each other. But you have to seek those people out because that's the only way you're going to get better is if you seek out people who have those skills that you might not be as strong in. And bring them along. I love that the two of you are on a journey together that's been going on for a long time and you've been able to be friends and work together and all of that. It's That's the thing too, right? Once you find those people, you can bring them along and you can build things together from one company to another and in other parts of your life too. Yes. And without Julian, I would have never pushed myself out of my comfort zone to do this podcast. Switching gears a little bit, in previous episodes, we've talked about the importance of having a mentor. Do you have someone who is supporting you as you launch you? That's a good question. I definitely would say they're less formal mentors and they're more people who I go to when I just know that I need an honest eye on something. So for example, I have a friend named Amanda who is very good at 
just cutting through it and just being very honest and being able to tell me about things around like design and so on and so forth. And as I think about Hugh, that's something where having her involved in the mix has been just a great way to get insight around, does this make sense? And then I have other friends where they have really good strategic minds. And so when I have a strategic question, I'm trying to weigh, should I do this or should I do that? They're really helpful. So I would say it's less of a formal mentoring, but it's more of a going to those people who I know are just going to give it to me straight. And they've got the background, they've got the experience where I know I can trust them, that they'll be kind enough to give me the benefit of what they've learned over the years. And what's your advice for getting honest feedback? Is it just that relationship that's built over time? Or is there a way you can ensure that you're getting that rougher feedback that really makes the change in what you're doing? Trust is the foundation of any sort of relationship. And you have to trust the people that are giving you feedback because you've probably heard over the years people say feedback is a gift. That's a really hard thing to hear when you're getting bad feedback or you're getting feedback that doesn't feel like it's something you expected. Building trust, building relationships is super foundational. You you absolutely need to do that. You need to go in, ask questions, understand from people what it is that makes them tick, right? What are their goals? What are they looking for? What's their background? Just learn who they are and what they're going for. That'll help you build trust. And then when it comes time to actually be giving honest feedback, getting honest feedback, you've already built that trust. And you've already gotten to a stage where you know that there isn't negative intent and that you're trying to be constructive and you're trying to be better on your own, but also help make each other better. Because the more we do that, the better it'll be for all of us. Yeah. And I think in terms of finding those people, I think just in your, whether they're in your circle of friends who you can work with, or just like in your friends in general, like if you can't have people around you that can give you that direct, honest feedback, then you should really think about, are they helping to elevate you and should they be in your circle type of thing? And I just think about like pro athletes, right? Like there's a lot of pro athletes that drag along the people that have been with them for a long time because this is my family, is my, my tribe, but then they end up getting into some trouble. But then the ones who start to find out those people who are really helping to elevate them, they can help elevate others. I'm a huge LeBron James fan. Tomorrow's game five of, I know this won't air at that time, but tomorrow's game five for the Lakers. I'm not a Lakers fan. I'll be very clear on that, but I am a huge LeBron James fan. He himself is a sports team to me, but the people that he's brought along on his journey or picked along the way, and he picked a lot of them up early on. They are people that have not only elevated him as a human being and a player, but also like in the business things that he does. And so Find your starting five or whatever it is, your board of directors, your tribe, whatever you want to call it. And those are the people that are going to help you to get to that point. So I love that Amanda helps you with that. I love that Katie is going to be holding me accountable as I start on a new venture. And so, yeah, that's such great advice. Yeah. And those people might change over time to some extent, or you might have different groups for different parts of your life because depending on what you're looking for, right? There's just different stages. There's different people with different expertise. But you have to, I think, just keep an open mind and you have to make sure that those people are there, right? Whatever you need, you need to make sure that you've got that board of directors, like you said. Indeed. So how do folks stay in touch with what you're doing with you? How do people stay in touch with you? Everything that you've provided has been so valuable and we want people to follow your journey and and contribute where they can. So what's the best way to do that? 
Sure. So Hugh is at wearehugh.org. It's just W-E-A-R-E-H-U-E.org. And anyone who wants to can come straight to the website and get involved. It's pretty easy and straightforward. Other than that, you can follow Hugh on LinkedIn or on Twitter. We're on both. On Twitter, it's we underscore R underscore H-U-E. And you can always just connect with me directly as well on LinkedIn and just reach out and happy to connect, have a conversation. But yeah, obviously we want as many folks as possible to get involved. Hugh is really, the way I think of it is as an employee resource group for the industry. At the end of the day, employee resource groups are for companies and they're helping employees, but at those companies, the idea behind Hugh is it's for you and it's really for you wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, we want to help you get there. Awesome. Thank you. This has been so valuable. Thank you again for your ears. We want to incorporate your questions on the podcast. Please email us at hello at adundergrad.com. And don't forget to follow us on all platforms at the ad undergrad. Tune in next time as we capture more paths of industry practitioners.